How many Ferris Bueller fans out there? Okay, good. You're going to know where I'm going with this. Um, I'm actually going to start with a quote by Ferris Bueller. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. Do you guys remember that quote? Yeah, it's a really powerful quote. So what my message is actually about today is the fact that we need to make our presence a priority. So presence being a priority in your life is going to make a huge difference. How many of you guys know, as mothers, I can say this time has zoomed by. Just zoomed by. Life moves fast. I mean, I truly remember Cameron as this little boy that always wanted to take off and go climb in a tree, you know, all the time. My daughter, you know, bringing her home from the hospital, we brought her home in style in a 67 Mustang convertible, which was really good, you know. So, you know, those memories, though, I mean, my daughter's 30 and my son's 27, and I can tell you it feels like just yesterday. And there's no way I should be 49 yet, at all. I mean, sometimes I'm like, what happened? And I told my husband, he's like, I know, I never thought I'd be married to a 50-year-old, <laughs> ever. <laughs> never, ever. And I said, I know, but I said, you are 52, you know, you are a little older, so... But, you know, the thing is, it's, it's one of those statements that they use in Ferris Bueller that is so true. Life moves really fast. And truly, if we blink, we miss it. We really do. It's, it's so quick and so fleeting. And even if you look at someone's life and you think, wow, they have, you know, maybe 100 years, really, in the great scheme of things, that's not much. You know, and I've heard it said before that it says when you have kids, you know, it says the um, days are long, but the years go by quick. You know, and that's so, so true. If you've ever been a a parent, you know what it's all about. But, you know, we're given this amazing gift of life. And what we're given is right now, this present time that we have. And there's times where it's still like yesterday I was out working in my garden and I was thinking about how you're digging in the garden. I'm thinking, it's so cool because, like, we've waited so long for finally this weather to break. And you're out there and you're digging in the dirt and it feels so good and you're like... This is like present. This is now. I mean, I just think back like two months before that where you're like waiting for that to break and that cold. And you just really almost just want to stop time when you get in those good moments and think, I just want to just like stay here for a little longer, you know? That's one of the reasons why years ago when uh, my kids were small, uh, 1984, we decided to, because we had no money. I'm going to tell you, we had no money at the time. I was... 18 or 19, and my husband was 22, so I mean, we were really young, but we decided to spend like $800 on a video recorder, equivalent today of about $1,840. But we decided we were going to spend this $800 because we really wanted to capture all these moments of our kids' lives, you know? We're like, we've got to have it for this and all these different things, you know, when they take their first walk and they start saying their words and start doing all these things. So, you know, it was really cool. Any of you guys know what an old video camera was like? (laughs) They were honkingly huge. Those things were so big and so massive and just unbelievable that, you know, you would have to get a tripod. If you didn't have a tripod, there's no way the camera was going to be shaken after a while. There's no way it was going to make it. You know, it's not like how it is now, is it? It's a whole lot different. I mean, look at the video cameras we have now. It's amazing when you think that there's a better video camera in this phone than there was in my camera in 1984 that I spend so much money on. It's pretty crazy. These cell phones can be held up and they can capture everything. You know, so here we are, you know, we're capturing these moments and these, you know, school plays and all these different things. And I remember John and I would take it and he'd say, do you want to record me? And I'm like, you? Because I said, I don't like it. I said, to me, I just want my memories. 
I just want to be able to immerse myself in the moment and feel it. And I said, for some reason, every time you held that camera up to your head, you kind of felt a little disconnection. Like you were kind of watching it, but this little little viewfinder, and you weren't like immersed in the whole experience. So I thought, I don't really like doing that. I don't really like it because I like, you're there, but you're not really there kind of feel, you know? And I think that's one of the reasons why I actually have a little tiny dislike for social media sometimes. Is because in life, you can realize that you can actually be with people sometimes, but they're there, but they're not really there. Because sometimes they can be so immersed in what's going on, this little tiny thing. I know I felt it for sure. I think there was a time before where I actually told Cameron he could not have his phone around me for a while because of the fact I felt that there was like this little barrier. This is before my husband got his phone, who swore to me he would never, ever want an iPhone, a smartphone. I don't want one of those things. I'd never use it. I can't get it out of his hands. I'm telling you right now. No way I can get out of his hands. But, you know, the thing is, what this was supposed to do was it was actually supposed to kind of like, these phones were supposed to make us feel connected, but somehow they kind of caused a little disconnection also. And this also, this idea with social media really became about being less social. It's kind of an interesting dynamic of how this has all taken place, but it has. One of the things that I think I don't like about social media and one of the things that I actually miss on like IG and Facebook and all those different things, like I, I explained to you, I don't have Snapchat and I don't think anybody's that excited to see my pictures and I really don't post anything too crazy that has to be destroyed immediately. Like this table is just going to really drive me crazy because it won't sit still. It's just wobble today. <laughs> it's going to make me crazy. I'm a little OCD. You'll realize that after you get to know me. Um, but you know, one of the things that's kind of crazy about it is there's a little disconnection in social media, I think, sometimes. And it is that idea that instead of the face-to-face contact that we have this, I said last week, fake-to-fake, or this thumb-to-thumb thing that takes place instead that we have in our, our society. It's kind of different. So what I don't like about it is you kind of miss out on the whole thing. You know, if you, you receive a message from somebody on social media or even a text sometimes, you know, you read it, And you see what they're saying, but you really don't get exactly all what they're trying to communicate. Because we all know sometimes when we're having a bad day, sometimes you can read someone's text that's like, having a good day. You're like, having a good day. Like, like, you know, we can put that in to what we read. We kind of like miss the whole point of the social is the, the fact that we have this connection, this eye contact. And what's great about when people, when you're in real life with them and you're looking at them face to face and they're talking, you can hear the inflection in their voice. You know, you can be touched. It's that little bit of a touch that sometimes that somebody can give you. It's what we actually hunger for in society is having this present feel with people when you communicate. I actually would like to show you a quick video, and I thought this was really powerful. You want to take a look at this.
kind of interesting, isn't it? How we really kind of disconnect from the people that we're with a little bit to try to capture something that we somehow believe we're going to go back in time and we're going to see. I can tell you honestly and truthfully, we probably have watched the videos of our kids once that day when you first come home, you kind of glance at it and you're like, I don't want to relive this whole thing again right now. I just was there. Because, <laughs> you know, these plays can be long. You think you're always going to have time to go back and watch them and you never do. So it's kind of an interesting thing, but we do need to make presence a priority in our life. It's something that's so important because you know what has happened? We have disconnected from the people that we're with that we basically would say are so valuable to us. And what we do is we look into people's lives of something that happened to them six hours or two hours or just a minute ago and capture what their lives are all about instead of living our own sometimes. And it's really kind of a sad state that we do this. You know, we pick up our phones when we're with people that we say we're, we're, we love and we care about so much. And when we do this when we're with people, sometimes what we're doing is basically saying to them that, you know what, you're not funny enough right now or you're not really interesting enough right now to me. So I'm going to look at my phone instead because someone else is a little bit better than you right now. You might not think of it that way, but you know what? I will tell you, it makes a person feel that way. And if that's ever happened to you, you know that's what makes it, how it makes you feel. You know, you just realize that people sometimes can disconnect so easily from who they say they love. You know, people need validation. People want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want to be noticed and loved. And what happens a lot of times in, in our lives, that we don't do that to the people that we say that we really, truly love because it's easy sometimes to just get in the moment, you think this moment's not going to matter as much. You're not going to matter this, this much. This little, you know, two-minute time is not going to matter. But you know what? It does. It does. It matters that we're not connected and that we're not in someone's life. You know, the thing is, it's, it's a sad state because a lot of times we don't hear or see or stop and really look at the people that we're with. And we don't value them very much, you know? We don't do those things. And I think it's kind of sad because somewhere along the line, we've really kind of almost let, like I say, these friends have more of an impact on our lives than the people that we say that we love and care about so much. We value more what they have to say, you know, what they're thinking and stuff than it is the people that we're with. And I think it's a horrible state that we're at and that we're at. You know, how many of you guys have ever gone to a restaurant and you've noticed those old couples, you know, that sit there and they're eating? You know, I go to, you go to Cracker Barrel, you'll see it. I love Cracker Barrel, I'll tell you. I had that experience, I told you last week, where the girl asked me if, I liked ma- if I've ever had their mashed potatoes. I told, yes, I've had your mashed potatoes. Um, but if you watch these old couples sometimes, you see them sit there, and all they do is look around at everybody. They don't say a word to each other. They're just looking around, and they're noticing everybody. I'm going to tell you, they just missed out on the social media craze. Because if they had an iPhone, they'd be on it at that moment. Because they're already disconnected. There's something that happens. It's like somehow we look at the people that we say that we love and we think, well, we've heard everything they have to say. And you know what? It becomes more about us, doesn't it, at that moment? Well, you're not interesting enough for me. Or I don't really care what you... Sometimes we have to stop and step back and think, maybe it's not there for just about you. Maybe you're supposed to be there to give someone else validation. Maybe you're supposed to be there to just show somebody else that you care about them and that you love them and that you value them. That's what's important. I'm going to tell you, John and I have been guilty of this. I remember coming home from uh, going to see our daughter in Dallas and flying home and stopping to eat at Cracker Barrel <laughs> when we got done. And at that moment, you kind of like thinking you're just going to scroll through the, you know, your feed and see who's doing what. And 
kind of connect, and it's really a, kind of a sad state that you do that, but you do it. There's been times where I go to bed, and I'm like, are you going to turn that phone off? Are you going to turn the lights off? Because I'm, I'm over it, you know, and uh, my thing is the only reason why I'm over it quicker than him is because I had a phone first. That's the only reason why. He'll get there eventually. I have uh, assurance that someday he will. You know, it's kind of sad that these little tiny screens that we look into have become more important a lot of times than the people that we say we love the most. If you were to ask any of that old couple, or if you would ask me and my husband, who do you love and value the most in our lives, what would we say? We'd say each other. I know he would tell me that he values me the most. And I know that older couple would say they're the most important people in the world to them. But yet, why don't we show it? Why don't we do that on a daily basis, show somebody that they matter like that? You know, if you look at the phones, it's kind of crazy where they've gone. I mean, what a transformation phones have made, haven't they? I mean, years ago, there's nobody basically around. I mean, there's very few of you out there that understand, the, remember, the whole party line thing. We used to share a line with somebody. You got on, you picked it up, someone was already on, you had to hang up, you had to wait for your turn. That's what it was all about. Then, before long, we got all these phones in our houses, and they became tethered to the wall. You know, and then you started out with a phone cord this big. Everybody ran and got the giant cord. Everybody went and bought this huge giant cord so you could walk in your house everywhere, and you felt like you were king of the castle. Man. Before long, we got the wireless, right? Wireless phones. You could nearly walk to your neighbor's. You could take your phone to your neighbor's house. You felt like you owned the world. I can do anything anything. Car phones. I had a friend that said that she had a bag phone. I believed her for years. She actually told me like three years ago that she'd never had a phone. I'm like, what? What? Obviously, she was perpetrating like she was talking. That's just, she really did fake it, I guess. That's just so crazy to me. You know, then we all went to the cell phones. Cell phones first. Flip phone, slide phone. I had the slide. You know, it was pretty cool. Then before long, smartphones. Isn't it crazy how much our phones have changed? Isn't it really interesting that phones have actually gotten smaller and smaller and smaller? They're, for a while they were saying, oh, the phones are going to be so little before long, they're going to be so tiny. They're all going back bigger now. Because this screen is not big enough to watch a movie on. I've got to have a bigger one. It's not big enough now. So they've had this huge change, you know. They used to actually just stay on our wall and be used when we needed them. Then they started going with us everywhere. Then we used to keep them in our pocket because we weren't that proud of our, our regular phones, our flip phones and our slide phones. But as soon as we got a smartphone, you pull those things out and say, iPhone, look at me, check it out, I got an iPhone. We found old uh, snapshots not too long ago of my son and daughter when they had theirs. They actually went into one of those phone booths and they're actually posing with their phones. It was a big thing when you first got a phone. <laughs> it really was huge. But isn't it crazy how this little tiny thing has just taken over our lives? We think about these things 24-7. They're always trying to demand our attention. I've spent more time keeping this thing charged. That's all I do. I mean, you're always charging your phone. You don't ever think to just go to bed. It's like, well, if I just go to bed, I'm not going to charge my phone. You've got to get chargers for the car. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Because these things have to stay connected. And not to say that they're not valuable. They are. They're amazing to have an opportunity to be able to like reach your kids when you need to or you know, have that communication and all that. That's really wonderful. But you know, here they are now. Heck, you want to know the weather? I can tell you the weather. You know, if you want to see a YouTube video, I can show it to you. 
I can tell you what my friends are doing right now. I can tell you anything. I could look up a Bible verse. I could give you anything that you want. Isn't it interesting how much it's taken over our lives? But yet it's stolen us from each other in a lot of ways. We need to make presence a priority in people's lives. So we're more connected, more disconnected. We have social media, less social. That's sad. That's a horrible, sad state that we're in. But it's not the only problem with phones. And this is where I really get frustrated sometimes with phones. Because it kind of becomes a safety net, doesn't it? It's kind of like your safety net. You start to feel a little uncomfortable. You get into a situation, you're like, I don't feel real comfortable. So before long, what you do is you go like this. Hmm. Well, I got a text message from Elizabeth Johnson. Oh, happy Mother's Day. And you start to look at this, and it's like this separation that takes place, this safety net. You know, you get in a place where you don't feel comfortable, and immediately, what do you do? You don't want to look odd, so you pull out your phone. Because then you can just look disinterested. You don't look like you're bored or waiting for something. You're just disinterested. You go to meet somebody, you get there first, you pull out that phone. Because you don't look like you're too anxious. There's this weird thing that takes place in society where we kind of pull back. And we put this invisible fence around us is what takes place. This idea that we can just surround ourselves and keep people out. You know, when people want to approach you, the first thing they think is, oh, they're on their phone. So maybe I shouldn't go over and talk to them. And a lot of times that's what people do for a reason. It's to put that barrier up so people aren't approached. What happens out of this is, you know what, you don't ever feel like the need of saying hi to a stranger. You don't ever have to look up and catch someone's eye, do you? You don't ever have to feel that uncomfortable moment. And I think that's so wrong. It's such a wrong thing that we're doing. The more connected we get, the less connected we are to our world around us. And we love our phones. We love them. How many of you guys out there have ever gone back for your phone? You drove away, you got pretty far, and you actually drove back and picked up your phone. Me, for sure, because you don't want to get anywhere. I've actually, one time, I think I was up in Mendota, and I was like, oh, I forgot my phone. You know, I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, people used to do this all the time. They left their houses, and they didn't have a way to be in contact with somebody all the time. But now we're stressed. We're like, oh, my gosh, someone can't call and tell me something. I'm like, most of these people aren't going to tell me anything important anyway. They know they say, hey, what are you doing? Uh, I'm driving through McDonald's and getting a cup of coffee. You know, that was necessary. Needed to tell you that. But, you know, we love these phones. You know, there was a study that was out that said there was just proven that 68% of the people would actually risk physical harm to get their cell phones back if they were stolen. 68%. I don't know if I would do that. But that's scary, isn't it? That you, someone stole your phone, you'd risk yourself, you'd risk your life to go back and get your phone. Because this, I will tell you, my life is in this phone. All my business information for my payroll liabilities, um, acts information, personal information, birthdays. You know, I'm not a Facebook. I don't put my birthday up on Facebook, I will tell you right now. I figure that's nobody's business. <laughs> Hold on, giddy. <laughs> nobody's business. But, you know, these things that were actually invented, you know, to give us protection and, and you know, attention to, to contact each other, they can actually cause us a lot of struggles if we don't put up boundaries. First, you know, they can steal our time. We know that. I mean, I know I'm not the only one 
phones, I'm talking about phones today, but anytime you're on a computer or anything for social media, you can realize, like I say, it steals your time. You think you have been on there for like two minutes and you look and it was like a half hour. It takes so much of our time. It can definitely steal our joy because I don't know about you guys, but have you ever had a really good day and then all of a sudden you opened up Facebook or you opened up something, something somebody posted made you mad? Where somebody said something and you're like, oh, and then you're ticked and your whole day, it steals your joy sometimes. And like I said, the biggest thing to me, I think it's sad, is it steals our, our presence from people that we value and we love. But it also is stealing our future. And that might sound so drastic for you to believe, but it's true. Because it actually is causing us to model this personality disorder that we have to the next generations coming up. You can already see kids, just like, you know, you see these kids already on the phone. There's already a disconnect where they feel as though they don't have to look up. I walked into um, HQ downtown the other day when I went to go prepare for my message, and there was a girl, she was sitting on the stoop of the, the building. And I can honestly tell you, when I first got out of my car, I was like, I just wanted to say hi to her. And she wouldn't even look up from her phone, not even in a minute. And I thought, that's really sad that we don't make eye contact with people, that we don't physically connect and say hi and give someone value anymore. What, what's with that? Why don't we do it? I'm going to tell you, I hate that. I will tell you, I can't stand when some kid doesn't say hi or some people don't say, I will purposely go out of my way and make you say hi. I'll go up and like, hello, how are you? Because I think that's not how Christians and that's not how Christ followers are supposed to be. We're supposed to show love, compassion. We're supposed to reach out to the world. If us as Christians are constantly looking down and always like this, we're missing out on what Jesus expected us to do. This is not what our focus should be. This is what we're supposed to be focused on. People. Not just on Facebook. I love the idea that you could post a Facebook prayer. I love the fact that you can give people attention and, or uh, information and stuff like that as far as Bible. But I tell you, you're missing out if you're not given the actual contact one-on-one. You can't do drive-by Christianity. You can't. It has to be real, connected ministry. So this modeling, this disconnected, distracted, uncaring, selfish life, these kids a lot of times are going to become just like us. We're going to recreate. You know, they say that society, is, it's proven that every generation does a little less. I don't want more generations to be more connected to their phones where they literally just live in a bubble and don't do what they were supposed to do with reaching out to people. You know, I despise the coldness that it brings, I think. I just don't think it's right. I think it's exactly what we're doing is we're playing into the hands of Satan. This disconnect. This idea that we don't have to look into people's lives. That we can always keep ourselves at a distance. That's not how Jesus did it. That's not how God did it at all. And that's not how he wants us to do it. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart from the world. The world might be living like that, but you as a Christian... I really want you to think about making your presence a priority in people's lives, in the people you value, but in the world. Because your job is to be the light. And you can't shine a light if you're just looking down. Look up, catch somebody's eye. They could be going through the most pain in their life, and you could be the person that look at them and just say, how are you? And just validate them. Give them a moment and let them feel like they're not invisible. I think there's so many people that walk around here 
being invisible, they, they think no one does want to talk to them. We need to break through that. We need to break through that barrier and change it. Christ's followers are supposed to be different. You know, if we don't look up, we're not going to notice when someone might be, have a tear going down their face. Or just a moment where they're laughing and they're really enjoying themselves to just kind of smile and just say, that's cool, you know? It's just a sad state. You know, the thing is, we can't make a difference if we're not being different. We have to be different than what the world is. Jesus always said, pull yourself out from the regular crowd. Do it different. And this is important to do it different here, too. You know, there, there's, a, there's a world, like I said, that's so disconnected from each other. And I'm, I don't know if you guys have ever watched the show, What Would You Do?, but I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's a scary, scary show because you can see that there's this disconnect in people's lives. You know, there's, there's a show that they basically show the fake kidnapping of a, a child or, you know, a young girl being verbally or almost physically abused and the people that just literally walk by and do nothing. They won't get involved. You know why? Because there's, all of a sudden there's this, for some reason in our society, we build this like little wall around us and says, as long as your world doesn't bump into my world, I just don't want to be bothered by having to stop somebody from doing something. You know, it's, it's scary when you think that this little kid could run up to an adult male and say, this, this person's trying to take me, he's, he's trying to grab me, and the guy walk up and say, yeah, you know, he's just joking, and he's saying this, and the kid's scared, and they're pulling him away, and the guy just looks and goes, walks away. What is that? We have to have empathy and compassion, those things that are important for us to be as Christians and, and just fellow life, life livers. It's not supposed to be that way, that we're so disconnected. You know, we're losing our empathy in this world, for sure. Um, Luke six thirty six says, You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Must. You must be you don't get the option. You don't get the option to not be a compassionate or empathetic person as a believer and a follower of God. You know what the most scary information is that I found when I was preparing this message? I actually found it two weeks ago, and I can't, couldn't wait to tell you because this is so sad. It says there's a study that they found that the part of our brain where empathy develops, which is the true heartfelt pain and care that we feel for another piece, uh, person, it actually only happens when we daydream. Isn't that scary? That, we, that part of our brain that develops empathy and compassion happens when we shut everything off, when we just let our minds go. That's when we learn empathy. What does that say for our society today with kids? They're overstimulated all the time, constantly. There's one thing after another after another. We get up, we turn on a TV for them. We get up, we play music for them. We do this. Here's a book. Do this. Do that. Do this. You know, some of the best things, the best memories I have is Cameron. He'd have, he loved rock climbing. He still loves rock climbing. He loved climbing. He'd climb the door jams when he was a little kid. And as soon as he got older, he got a rope. And he'd throw this hook up in the tree. And he'd go up and he'd sit in the tree. And then after a while, he'd say, Mom, can I go over there and go in that tree? And I'd be like, yeah, go ahead. I'll watch you. You know, those are those times, I'm going to tell you, as kids, we need to daydream. I did one thing right as a mom, you know what, I have an empathetic son, someone that cares for other people and feels their heartfelt pain. 
If that was the one thing I did that was important, I'm going to tell you, if your kids are bored, let them be bored. Don't give them something every two seconds. When they're in a car, they don't have to be have a movie in front of them at all times. Yeah, on a big, long trip, that's fine. Not every day, not every moment. They don't have to have a phone. Here, you're bored here. Play this game. You know what? Just teach your kids to look around. Be nice. You know, I'll tell you, we're missing. Some of these kids, I'm going to tell you, I had a couple kids just around me yesterday. I will tell you, if they'd have talked to me like that, they talked to their mom, it wouldn't have worked in my life. One little snotty comment like that, I would have said, you ever talk to me that way, little friend. Ain't going to happen again, because I don't like that. To me, you call out the little things because they don't get big. You know, I think parents just get too overwhelmed and just sometimes just like, oh, it's just no big deal. It's like, it will be. Just wait. I can tell you. It'll get bigger. But, you know, it's dangerous when you think. I mean, people always mock the fact that people used to daydream, don't they? Oh, daydreamers. They're probably some of the most caring people you'll ever meet. Let your kids daydream. You daydream. You need to be more empathetic and compassionate. You, when you're sitting there doing nothing and your spouse says to you, what are you doing? Developing empathy. (laughs) I'm giving you the out now, guys. I'm telling you, you're going to use that one. You're going to use it. So, you know, it's really important for us to remember that that's important to just shut off, shut down sometimes. We got to quit running from one thing to another, to another, to another. And we need to show that we have compassion and we have empathy. I'm going to read you this uh, scripture. It's a little long. But it so embodies exactly what Christ wants us to be as his followers. Luke 10, 25 through 37, it says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I'm going to tell you, everybody you come in contact with is your neighbor. So, Jesus replied with a story. A a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. You know, these people were the dogs of society, the Samaritans. They were not liked. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three men would you say was the neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Just notice. See, the thing is, those people passed by. You know why? Because they were too busy. Maybe he was on his iPhone, looking down. Didn't want to take the time. The thing is, we're supposed to notice when people need us. We're supposed to actually walk physically over to them and help them and then go that farther step to help somebody out that's in pain. It's so important to make presence a priority. So I'm going to end with the same quote I started with. 
Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. It's very, very important. I'm going to tell you, you have to give people your presence. You have to give people their value. You have to show compassion and empathy and be different than the world is out there. And you have to model presence for your kids. If you are constantly on your phone, I'm going to tell you, people, they are going to do the exact same thing as you. I remember my kids picking up the Cabbage Patch phone, my daughter, you know, because you'd be on the phone. Remember them picking up their phone, and she'd say, Hi, Bobby Jean, and she'd sit there and she'd talk like she was talking to somebody for a long time. Don't they do everything that you say that you're doing? They don't do everything you say, but they do what you're doing. They watch us all the time. It's important for us to start setting a standard that there can be better people, more caring people. So I want to pray for you. Lord, help us to notice. Help us to quit looking down, but Lord, look up to catch the eye of people, Lord, that we come into contact with. That we would show love and compassion to them, Lord. That we would be people that you would be proud of, Lord. Real, true Christ followers. Not just people who say that we love Jesus, but don't actually model it on an everyday basis. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be mindful. Lord, when we start to disengage the people that we love, Lord, that you would help us to be mindful and put that phone down or put social media down and actually think about the things that really matter in this world, in this moment in time. Lord, we're thankful for all you're going to do here, Lord. I'm thankful for each person that came. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them with your presence, Lord. Help them to be safe this coming week, Lord. Just let them feel more and more of your presence, Lord, that they know how real you are. And Lord, we just ask this in Jesus' name. Um, I'm going to end with this. If you guys are Ferris Bueller days off, you'll recognize this. Are you still here? Go home. It's over. Okay? All right.